Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. This is a series, as you see, called Close Encounters of the God Kind. And this is message number two that I've called The Path to Presence and Promise. We're going to be looking at a very unique moment in Abraham's life with God in Genesis 18 in just a moment. But before we go there, I want you to think with me about about some people, Uh, people in your life circle, people who may still be in your life circle or people who no longer are. Maybe they've passed on or maybe they've moved somewhere else, but when they were in your life circle, they left a mark, a positive mark. So much so that you may at times uh, have wished that you could walk in their shoes. Um, I was thinking the other day on a walk about this, about people in my life who have um, made an impact in my life in, in, in certain ways, and I, I wanted to wa- I want to walk in their shoes. People, here, here are people, people who, who live with joy. I don't mean they're married to somebody named Joy. I mean they, they live with joy in their life. And it doesn't mean everything always goes well, but they just, they're just people of joy. And no matter where they are, you just want them in the trip. Like if you're taking a road trip, you'd love to have them. If you're on vacay, you're glad they're with you. If you go to a, a holiday dinner, you hope Mr. Joy or Mrs. Joy or Mr. Is the Aunt Joy, whoever, right? You know a person like that? And you'd love to walk in their shoes? How about someone like this? Somebody that just has compassion, they just have the compassion switch turned on all the time. And they not only feel for people, but they do something for people. They're always in the do something business, and it's always the kind of thing that makes a mark on the heart in a good way. Don't you like to walk in their shoes? People, anyone like that in your circle of life? How about creativity? I love creative people. I just I just can't get enough of, I follow people on Instagram that are in completely different worldviews, but they're creative. There's something about it. Do you have anybody like that in your life circle that's just a creative person? And it doesn't necessarily mean they do stuff that the whole world gasps at, but just in their little way, the way that they garden or they do their house or they come up with an idea, it's always creative. You know people like that in your circle? Then I was thinking about people that are courageous, and you know, some of the people that are very courageous, I, I, I honestly think I, I, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Have you ever also have people that you think, I'd love to be in their shoes, and other, I wouldn't want to spend a minute in their shoes, right? But I know people like that that wish they could get out of their shoes, but are walking through things in their life that are not yielding to a better way, so, so-called. But they're walking courageously. You know anyone like that? I was thinking about Jeremy and, and Lindsay, two young uh, parents, in, in, part of our church. and They don't get to attend a lot. Jeremy's battling cancer, and it's been a long battle. But I watch them. I see that they haven't stopped living. 
and they're courageous. And other people like that. I have an aunt right now who is battling cancer again, but she's courageous. People who don't give up. You wouldn't want to necessarily be in their shoes, but if you had to go through what they're going through, you'd like to have their shoes. Not only I wanted to think about them, but here I thought of this. What about somewhere over the next week or so, you would let them know that you see them? And you affirm something about them. You affirm their joy. You affirm their creativity. You affirm them in their compassion. Let them know how needed they are in our world and how much you see their value. Some of these courageous people, the shoes that they're walking in. This is a message about a man who walked in a certain type of shoes. I don't know what kind of sandals they were. I mentioned wanting a new pair of running shoes and Mr. Facebook and Mr. Instagram and everybody under the sun, every ad. And if I bought a thousand pairs of shoes, probably for the next year, I'd still keep, holy moly. I even think that they know what you're thinking because sometimes I think I didn't even say that. And then you see, I was thinking it. Yeah. This message is about the God who spoke illogical yet possible promises to a person who was unable to make those promises come to pass. But the same God who spoke to Abram speaks to people in every generation. And he speaks very personally to us. Possibilities that, he'll, that he brings up to Abram. Possibilities that may have come past your hearing, but they're so crazy you never dreamt they could be from God. And according to the way your life has been or ha is, there's no way that could have been from God because it's just too impossible. Possibilities so vast that when God said to Abram, the only way I can could tell you how vast the possibilities come by you believing me, count the stars in the heavens. Perhaps, as he did, this was so wonderful, so out of reach, and with all the stuff that was going on in his life, that it was almost a laugh emoji, LOL. But what if in his life, because it did, in your life, my life, people who've never heard what we're talking about right today, and they're living in your circle, and they are, what if it all boils down to just one simple quality that every one of us possess? To make what God says will be come true. That's what Abraham's walk reveals in this close encounter of the God kind. In Genesis 18, we're going to look there in a minute, but before we go there, let me just, let me just prime the pump a little bit. Long after Abraham lived and died, God spoke to Isaiah 
to tell the people of God that God was going to send somebody, which would be the descendant of Abraham, into the world, and what this someone would do would reverse the fall effect and restore an Eden-like lifestyle to his people. And he then gives a secret key to how we walk towards such a work of God. And he says it like this in Isaiah 51. I didn't put this in there, but this just just building this up. He says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut. Look to Abraham, your father. When he was but one man, I called him and I blessed him and I multiplied him. Because indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion and will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert places like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of melody. What a description of a lifestyle. It's like pre-fall, as I said last week. The stars, there was harmonic sound in the universe that could be heard by all of creation. And God is saying he's going to take us back into such a thing. Poetic now, reality someday. The Apostle Paul was the first to grasp this as he's probably studying this passage as the reason why he then says in Romans chapter 4, what do the scriptures say? Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. And then he goes on to say, and he will do the same for us who follow in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham. The key to this type of an encounter and the things that unfold from it come by following the footsteps of this man who was called Abram and then God upgraded his name to Abraham. These encounters that we looked at last week, this week, next week, and on we, onward reveal to us something about God, something about us, something about our walk with God that we can have, something about the reality of that walk. And we can see it all in the life of Abraham in this close encounter of the God kind. Before we look at Genesis 16, and I promise you we will, we find the life of Abram beginning in Genesis 11, and it goes on, uh, the dynamic parts of it cover 11 chapters from Genesis 11 through 22, but it goes on a few more chapters after that where he buries his Sarah under the oak tree and then finds a wife for his son Isaac. Isaac. But um, I want to take a macro look first over the broad spectrum of his life. It starts in 11, it goes 11 chapters. And here's what the scriptures say. The scriptures, here's what they don't say. This is significant to me. The scripture gives us nothing about Abraham's morality or character. 
It doesn't mean that he didn't possess a good quality of character or morality, but don't we pretty much superimpose that into the text and it doesn't say that? It doesn't say that. We assume that. What we do know is that God picks him. That's all we do know. He just selected Abram of Ur of the Chaldees, modern-day Iraq. What we do know is that Abram had limitations. His age was a limitation. He was incapable of fathering children. We do know that. We also know, though, that he was somebody who would not only listen to God, but go after what he heard God tell him to go after. Which is the same quality you and I possess. The only one that unlocks this story. You and I possess the same one. We can hear God and go after what we've heard. What we do know is that God reveals more of himself to Abram as he walks forward in this voice of God speaking to him. We do know that as he walked with God, he was not a perfect man. We do know that as he walked with God, he was not a sinless man. We do know that he had weaknesses and he had fears. And on two occasions, he told little or big white lies to, because he was afraid that these kings may, might take his life because they radared in on his beautiful princess wife named Sarai, Sarah. We do know that as Abram trusted, God revealed more and more about himself. And here's what else we know. That there are these amazing encounters that Abram has with God, but then if you really look at it, you also know, and I love this part because it makes me feel like I, this is my life at times. There are these long spans of time where he hears nothing. Yes! I'm in that! These long spans of time. We flip four pages and 40 years go by of nothing. But boy, there are these moments that define more than the moment. Henry Blackaby in his book, Created to Be God's Friend, The Life of Abraham, he says it like this. He does say it like this. I just got to find where he says it. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Little did Abram know how his life would affect eternity. He had no idea that so many things would be influencing not only his day, but even our present day. Have you ever heard of Abraham, by the way? By him going after what God said and trusting him, the whole world was affected. 
God's choice of individuals is never just about the individual. God's choice is not for one person alone. His choice will affect people of nations for generations to come. And here's what I know about God, too. God is very personal about personal connection. I mean, he takes it personal when he speaks to us and offers us the invitation of beyond a lifetime. He takes it personal what we do with it. And what I love about God is he could describe himself in all kinds of ways, but he's so intimate and personal with people of every generation that when he reveals himself, he comes along, like he comes along to the people after Abraham and he, and he says to Isaac, I'm the God of your father. And then he says, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And then he says to Moses, go and tell them the God of Abraham, personal man, Isaac and Jacob has come down to help you. See that personal, close, intimate? And it makes me think, imagine these kids, VBS this week, during some lesson being taught by you or whatever, or as you're helping them jump on the jump ropes and, and staying off the wall from jumping off the wall. And, all, and in the midst of all that, there's this moment or from a moment or from a lesson or from a song that somewhere they have the dream and God shows them and says, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God of your grandpa. Graham, I'm the God of your pacha. I want that to inspire Graham, not go, well, I don't want no part of that. Right? I mean, God takes it personally because he wants it to be personal. This is this guy. This is the macro. God revealed himself through vision and through visitation and through voice. But when we tune in here to Genesis 18, we're going to see this particular uh, encounter that I want us to just kind of like tease it out. Uh, so let's, let's go there. I'm going to use my phone Bible here because I left my other one on my desk. Verse 1. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes, he's talking about Abram here, and when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. God comes in this three men imagery. And Abraham ran from the tent door to meet them. Notice the absence of fear. Notice, this is pre-law of Moses, pre-Sinai, where the ground shakes. Pre-law, notice, it's similar to Adam and Eve pre-fall. Abraham sees the Lord and runs to him. Significant. Significant. He runs to meet him, and then he bows himself to the earth, and he says, My Lord, if I've found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought, and wash, let me wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, and I'll bring you a piece of bread. And he goes into this hospitality on overdrive for God. 
it's telling us something. Here he appears, the Lord and two, two men. We don't know what they looked like, but they come. And uh, so he feeds them, feeds them, they eat, and then after verse 9. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? Now, years before this, God says to Abram that through his own body, he's going to father a descendant, and through that descendant, count the stars because what you father, the one who will come from that fathering, will I'm going to use to bless all the nations of the earth, and they'll all be your descendants of faith. He's already told him that. And Abraham believed that, and God credited it as righteousness. He believed it. So he comes, and he says this in verse 10. He wanted Sarah there because he's going to reaffirm the promise he's made. He says, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself. Not out loud. She laughed to herself, saying to herself, after I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? Do you see how personal this is? And then she does what every good Christian does. I didn't laugh. He not only hears it, he hears you think it. I didn't laugh. And then in verse 14, the Lord says, well, let's go to 13. And the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I am old? And then he says this, is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. And do you know what the name Isaac means? He laughed. So God says, I want you to name your kid to always remember that when I promised you something, you laughed. But I'm also going to bring joy. And it's going to become a funny joke as friends as we walk along the way. But don't ever forget, when I gave you the opportunity, you laughed. God takes it personal. There are, and then there's something else that happens. Then, verse 16, then the men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom. Earlier, it says in another chapter, and the men of Sodom were sinning greatly against the Lord. And Abram was walking with them to send them off. And the Lord said, verse 17, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? He has this intimate friendship with Abraham. So much so, see, Abraham's faith is going to impact 
generations of people. 42 generations will unfold before Jesus the Messiah is born from this moment. 42 generations will unfold. But God says, but God is going to do something in the nations. He's going to bring judgment. He's going to call other people in those nations into this messianic promise and line. And every generation reveal himself to listeners. And so he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since, dads, listen to this. Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth be blessed, for I've chosen him, why? So that he may command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord. That's why he chose him. And he talks about the outcry of Sodom. And he wanted Abraham to hear what he was going to do. Why? Because he wanted Abraham to respond the way Abraham responded. And this is a part of our steps as well. The compassion part. Abraham says, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? He didn't say, good, about time, bring her down. No. Will you? Shall not the God of the whole, of the whole earth do right? If there are 50 righteous, will you, will you spare it for, I'll spare it for 50. How about 40? I'll spare it for 40. How about 20? I'll spare it for 20. How about 10? You know, he knew his nephew was there. And his nieces. He knew uh, that Lot's wife, Lot's kids were there. And the Lord said, if I find 10, I'll spare it for the sake of 10. We'll get back to that in a minute. So, here's what we see. Next slide. Here, here are some significant moments in this encounter. Why did Sarah laugh? And I, I look at that and I think about my journey over, you know, close to so many decades. And I look back and think about moments where I might not have laughed, but I might have pushed back with God or whew, let it go by. I couldn't have been God. Because I'm too, or I'm not. And then this one. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? And then, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Those things are hugely significant in the life of a person that's following the footsteps of a man like Abram. Um... So, when I look at this, and I look at these other encounters, but this one particularly, I, I put together a checklist. And I call it my encounter checklist. As I've said, and I will continue to say, um, these, these moments we're looking at, they're not templates. It's not like, like I said last week, you know, uh, God gets down and forms Adam out of the dust of the earth and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and there's significant spiritual uh, principles in that that apply. But if you think that means that you're going to wake up every morning and you're going to see God's face, he's going to breathe the Holy Spirit on you every day, that's not what's going to happen. And, and just like this case, don't expect the Lord and two other guys to show up at your tent while you're camping somewhere. Or when we look at the, when we look at the, the, the burning bush... Right? 
But there are things from these, there are principles that apply. And in this one, this applies to all of us, God's checklist. If we're walking in the footsteps of the faith of Abraham, here are some things that we can, that, that, that we can expect God to do if we meet these conditions. The first one is this. God's call and God's plan for me. When I'm not meaning me. I'm meaning you as the me. Individually. You're a middle school student listening to this. You're a high school student. You're a college kid. God's call and God's plan. And am I stepping toward it? I want to say this to you in, 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 the, in this checklist idea of this, of this step. Are you, do you continually give yourself completely to God? Completely. Um, when the Lord speaks the first time to Abram, he's living in Babylon, in the land of idols. Ur of the Chaldees. And it says, and the Lord said to him, leave your family, leave your household, leave this land, your land, your, 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 this personal pronoun. And in the Hebrew, it's emphatic. So God is making a point. Leave your, leave your, leave your, and I is emphatic. I will, I will, I will. There is a clean break. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to leave our families. It doesn't supposed to mean we're supposed to change geography or change jobs or whatever. That's not the point unless it's the point. The point is, those that I'm going to uh, select to unlock the, the, the potential of messianic revelation in every generation from now until the Messiah comes, there has to be a break from you, you, you to I, I, I. And listen, for every one of us that think we're giving something up from breaking from the you, 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 we, God always gets the, the low end of the deal. The amens mean you're thinking or you don't agree or God always gets the low end of the deal. A lot of times we go, oh, I got to give up. I got to give up. Listen, what are you going to give up? I, uh, I want you to leave the land of idols. I want you to leave a godless domain. I want you to leave a do-nothing household. And I want you to come with me and I will make you a nation, I will make your name great and all the families of the world will be blessed through you. Sound like a sacrifice? Lot had a nephew, I mean Abraham had a nephew named Lot. There comes a point where Lot goes with Abram and they've, they've, they're blessed. God blesses them for taking these steps. And there comes a point where Lot's herdsmen and Lot's people and Abram's can't live together. But there's plenty of land. And so Abram says to Lot, choose, choose another location. You know, and it says, and Lot looks at the land of Sodom. And he notices that it's very prosperous and fruitful. And he chooses to pitch his tent in the land 
that is prosperous and fruitful, but sinning greatly against the Lord. And what you notice, when I'm talking about God's call in your life, my life, and I'm speaking to everyone, but especially in the pivot point moments of, of, of uh, where you're making decisions that are not only just minuscule, but they're huge relationships, job dis, uh, choices, places where you're going to go, and all, all these massive pieces in those moments. Uh, God spoke to Abram about going and staying under the voice. It doesn't say here that Lot checks in with God. There are times when God will speak to us before telling us what to do. There are other times that God will wait and pause his voice to see if we will pause after we look to listen for God's thoughts on the matter. Sometimes God doesn't speak right away because he wants to see if we want him to speak. The second part of the checklist is God's promises and God's power. There are people, of course, we know who, and this is not a judgment, that you just, they don't walk with God. They're not under the voice, so to speak. They might be religious. They might attend a church. They might be able to quote scripture. They might be a good conservative or a socially woke Democrat that cares about needy people, whatever. And they, they may even think they're a Christian. They might even think they're, but they're not under the voice. Do you know what I'm saying? Um... So, there are people who think that the promises in the book apply to them in that community. And they don't. They quote Jeremiah all the time. You know, what the, I know the plans I have for you, blah, 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 blah. First of all, well, anyway, it's another series, but are you Israeli? Anyway... Um, God can make promises to people that aren't under the voice because God is kind. God can, but it's not promised for people who aren't under the voice. Do you know what I mean by under the voice? God clearly speaks, and I don't mean outside of Scripture. I mean in the Scripture. You know the Scripture, but, the, but it's beating in your soul. And you're, and you're navigating life on the, on the still small voice, the inner ought of God's word and intimacy to you. And you're under the voice. You're not perfect, but you're under the voice. Yes, Lord, and you mean yes and Lord. And people who aren't, the promises of the book might happen for you, but they're not promised. Quoting Blackaby again, he says, many people have grown up attending church and hearing about God all their lives, but they do not have a personal dynamic growing relationship with God. And the key to that, I tell you, is this. It is under the voice. God's 
promises and his power are guaranteed to those under the voice. That's when the I will be with you response of the Lord comes into play. You do what I tell you to do, and if no one goes with you, I'll go with you. God will send his power, and God will make promises to you and me if we are under the voice, if we are in the will of God, his promises and power are to our avail. But with that said, I posted this uh, teaser this morning on Facebook, and I've, I've heard this before. Um, there, there's something about this I gotta cover. There are some of us who are believing God for impossible things to become possible and then they don't. Sometimes, sometimes it's because it's not that they're not possible, they're not permissible. All the promises in Christ are yes and amen. They are, but that doesn't mean they're for you, necessarily. The promises in Christ that are for you are the promises that are crafted to be for you in the plan, not yours, of God for you, your household, your life, and generations to come. And only the God who sees the end from the beginning knows the right way to walk through that. And sometimes they say, well, if God loved me, it would. No, it's not because God loves me even though there's a promise in the book and I've underlined it and I posted it and I stand on it. It's not that it's not possible, it's not permissible. It's not permissible. You, and you, track, and you track it with me? Nobody. I, I, I'm not trying to put a yoke of unbelief on you. Trying to shepherd you in the wilderness experiences of the I thought I was... God can do anything. And sometimes that's the biggest, hardest thing to deal with when you are, as I said earlier, having to walk in courage during chemotherapy. And other things. One of the things that, that I have, my heart beats for, of course you know, is for a new generation of these young toddlers and young seedlings and young elementary school and pre-adolescence and adolescents having these moments of, in, of experience with God. And I, I've prayed this on the way here. God, today I don't care how you move. If you move through uh, a rushing mighty wind or a gentle breeze that we almost don't even notice, your will be done. If you come in a blazing, fiery burning bush or, or tongues of fire that rest on each, or if you're like a dimly burning wick, your will be done. Lord, if we don't even know it, and you're doing it, and we don't even know it for months, 
your will be done. Or if we are blown away by it, we throw our shoes off our feet because we're on holy ground and we stay here till four in the afternoon on our face, your will be done. But I'm not stirring up any preconceived notion of how it has to be because I've been wrong before. And you can do as you will. With that said, I, I have a burden for this young generation who, who, that I know God wants to personally speak to your heart. And there are, I was talking to David Green this morning. Thank you for doing the sound so my son could jam a little bit. I dig that. You wouldn't believe the work that goes into what those guys do up there every week. You wouldn't believe it. You go up there, you're not allad to go. But anyway, if you're up there, uh, it's it just mind-blowing. And then there's someone like me that comes along to Josh and goes, um, was it possible if you add this? I know it's two minutes before time. Duh. It's true. Um, anyway. I've been given insight with people throughout 30-some years of ministry. Um, I can remember sitting in Washington Middle School. No, I can remember sitting in old Allegheny High School uh, auditorium when this beautiful young lady came swirling as a ballerina across the stage. And I said to Devin's mom, there's something special about that girl. Who's that? It was Shelby. I didn't know that was Graham's mom or Emmy's mom or this newbie's mom coming. I just knew something. I remember uh, a middle school play at Washington Middle School working with my, uh, with my family and being a part of that. And a, I don't know, seventh or eighth grade girl, I don't know how old you are, is in a, is in a cast, uh, in the cast of the play. No, and, and I... <laughs> she's in a cast, man. <laughs> you, you try this every week. Another reason to not watch myself afterwards. Um, one of the 7,000. Um, and I watch all these kids. I love seeing kids do their thing and all that. And this, this it was Catherine. And I, was, and I was like, she's a special kid. I remember sitting out in front of Allegheny High School, the old Allegheny High School, in, in our uh, orange Volkswagen convertible. This was pre-driver's license for Devon, pre-driver's license for Savannah. So I had to go there and be the nerd dad, sitting out there, waiting on the students to come out. And from time to time, this, this young lady would come out of the gym area, come down the steps, and I would always feel this, this thing come over me to, to say a prayer for her. Didn't even know her. Didn't have a clue who she was. 
but to, have, to say a prayer for her as if God was going to meet her life in a dramatic way. That was Christine. Yeah. He used to always, didn't even know who you were. And I remember when my sister, or I think, said about you and Tyler uh, dating or possibly dating. And, and, and I saw who you were, and I just thought, wow. Um, I've had stuff like that for 30-some years. And then there's also been through all the years, because a lot of people have come through this church. And then I've also watched others that I saw this amazing, and I know it was the Lord showing me, it was this amazing potential in the life of a kid, the life of a student, of a young something. But I also had a burden, not about that their life was going to tragically be bad, but that the burden was they were missing the moment of their potential. They were not under the voice. They were around it, aware of it, spiritually in tune, but there, was, uh, there wasn't the need to navigate it. Last, uh, a couple weeks back, at the end of my six-week break, I took a trip to New York on Megabus with my daughter, Savannah. And we talked about a lot of cool stuff and talked about growing up in church. And I, I told her, uh, I loved watching her and, and Devin and, and the Wharton fam navigating out this under the voice thing through the years in church. You got a minute? Um, I can't tell you, David, what I meant by thank you because watching my son, multi-gifted to do a lot of things, means a lot to me. It's not about me, though. But it just means a lot in the sense of the long journey of life and the challenges that have been in it. But I can also remember during times when uh, to have a crowd like this would be Easter Sunday level. And I preached then the way I do now. Was as passionate then as I was now. Wish I wouldn't have been, because being passionate in the no and in the unyielding and it not working out seemingly can almost cause you to go insane. And I did. No, I'm just <laughs> I did. And I came back. No. During that time, my kids were, I think, late middle school, maybe early high school. And I would preach a message like this or whatever, or preach a totally, as I call it, a, a ground ball to short nothing message. And nobody would respond except my Savannah. And I can remember Savannah coming to the altar, not to get saved every week or 
but just a kid that was saying, God, I want to navigate your will for my life. And I actually went for years where I crafted my messages just for the young Joshua's and Esther's that were in middle school and high school. It was the only way I could get through it. But it was what God was crafting in my heart for not just then, but for now. And what I'm bringing all that up for is I just want to say to you, high school, Joe College, future somebody, God sees you and he personally wants you to navigate the call of God on your life. I many times have offered altar moments for people to navigate and come up. And then, you know, at times I, I, I stop doing it. I stop doing it because nobody responds to it. And you get all wiggy in your head. Do you ever get wiggy in your head? You get wiggy in your head because you start going, oh, maybe, well, maybe they're theology, maybe they're afraid of all these stupid things that you just roll through. You know what, though? Here's what I want to do. It's not about who responds, who doesn't respond. It's about this. If you sit back there, and that's fine, and you got your theology down packed, I don't care. Here's what I care about. Are you listening to God? Because you want to put the light out of the stars? You want to make the star die? Stop listening. I've seen people come on the altar every, all the time and, and I know there are people who think, oh, I wonder what they're struggling with. They're, maybe they're struggling with nothing. Maybe they're just saying, God, I don't want to be a fool and get out and start navigating a Sodom and, and see it as something with great potential because they didn't consult with you. You know how many, I've, you know, I've had people sit in my office I'm way off track now, but I've had people sit in my office and look at me and say, when I was a teenager, God called me to the mission field. But I started dating this dude who was a church person, and we hooked up in, the, in, the, in, in life. And that person, they didn't say this, I'm saying this, was like Abraham's dad who only went so far and then camped in Haran. He died in Haran. God doesn't want your dream to die over a date. You must listen to God more than who takes you to the prom or doesn't is at stake. More than a scholarship is at stake. Way more than you can even imagine is at stake. The battle is deeply intense when you're in the will of God. 
But when you're not, you better pray for a Holy Ghost warrior Uncle Abraham who can come with 412 trained warriors to get you out of the tar pits of Sodom that you had no business being in. Anybody listening to me today? I love watching God. I promised myself I'd preach shorter today. It's impossible. <laughs> As I take my shoes off. I love watching multiple, hey, I'm up here, don't look down. <laughs> I love watching multiple generational works of God in families. My friend Pat Mahar um, went to college with me at Southeastern University, and uh, I didn't know Pat. I'm sitting in American literature wondering why in the world God would ever have American literature being taught the blazing future worldwide evangelist like me. And I'm sitting there in American lit class, and this girl's sitting in front of me, and she starts talking about attending Washington Middle School, and I'm like, say again? I'm in Lakeland, Florida. I'm like, say again? And she turns around and she says who she is and she says she's related to Ryan Briner's dad. They were cousins. This is 1980 something. I went to college when I was seven years old. No. Uh, no. Um, so we get talking and here she has a sister named Brenda and Brenda starts dating Pat and then they fall in love, and God puts them together. They graduate. They start in ministry. Brenda's dad, it was a missionary in Ghana, West Africa at the time. And Pat, uh, a Florida boy, uh, you know, that kind of was, reminded you of the Miami Vice cool cat looking guy walking across campus. He connects to, with Brenda and next thing you know he finds himself in Ghana in missions work. And then they're there for a long time and they have some kids and, and then uh, their, their, their young son Marco, who I've known since he's been a baby, uh, he starts growing up. They were here visiting us and then the Lord leads Pat to go to, uh, to Greece right before the Iranian, uh, uh, the, the spring, where Arab Spring thing takes place and he finds himself pulling people out of the, out of the sea to save their lives and, and uh, Marco's back here in the States working in a church as a youth pastor, but, uh, but Marco, I knew it. I knew it when he sat with me at Ruby Tuesdays as a 14-year-old kid. That boy was under the voice. I used to say it to Pat all the time, Marco is under the voice, Pat. So, Marco, stir, stir, but he has, a, he has something in his heart. And his wife, he meets this girl and they're in ministry together and they're raising kids together and they got a solid thing going on. And now Marco has just written a letter out to everybody. He, he's just been accepted as Assemblies of God missionary to Budapest, Hungary, and he's going to work on a church staff there, listen, that has numbers like we have in Eastern Europe. You don't have numbers like we have anywhere in Eastern European church. Numbers like we have and a massive amount of Gen Now students 
And he is set there by God to pastor a generation of kids to go after God. I remember before Pat and Brenda started dating. People living under the voice. God's purpose in my participation, it requires a change of shoes. These are my running shoes. Um, I desperately need a new pair because these kill me now. But I told John Dudiak that I can't get rid of them because about four years ago when I needed to find the voice I put these shoes on my feet. And my running was for health reasons, but things began to happen to me while I began to run in these shoes. A fresh voice from God, navigational direction out of mercy, mercy. And uh, I need to get another pair because I can't run in these. Or I won't be able to run ever because there's nothing left in, to them. I mean, I even have Dr. Scholl's comfort things in there. It's, it doesn't, they're, they're, they're gone. But I'm never going to be able to get rid of them because they represent footsteps. They represent what Abraham had Abraham built altars. Look at Abraham's shoes. He went out not knowing where he was going. All under the voice though. He believed the Lord. This went on and on. Abraham built an altar there, there, and there. You see Abraham's life and every godly man in the Old Testament, they're known for hearing God and making altars instead of idols. I love watching you write this down. Um, and, he, and he is given secrets by the Lord because of, of God knowing that he will command. And that's not a harsh legalistic term. That means like, it, it's a Hebrew idea of like when Michael Jordan came out on the court, he commanded the attention of the other team. You live your life in such a way it commands attention. God says, Abraham, living under the voice, will command his household because I want his household, I want to be able to say, I'm the God of your father. I want to carry this on to your grandkids. As I said, 14 generations of I'm the God of Abraham. Come on now. And Abraham came near, standing before the Lord to compassionately, with mercy, intercede for the nation that lost its way. These are the kind of shoes that God wants you to wear. Maybe your shoes are sort of there, but they're not. Maybe it's a time today to just reset your feet. 
The only, there's, there's no, we have the same, the only thing required to light the stars. Listening to his voice. Now, we're going to close with just this next verse. You think, well, what would Jesus have to say about all this? This is interesting. In John 8, Jesus says, if you are Abraham's children, this is Christian. What I just said is Christian. Jesus said, if you are Abraham's children, put on the shoes. If you're Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. What are the deeds? Not your deeds. Voice, go to it. And don't go anywhere else until he adds to the voice. And let me just add this as the last one. This is a good one. In the unfolding of your intimacy with God under the voice, he'll come along and he'll upgrade your name. Abram. He says your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham. Hold your hand up to your lips. Right? Don't kid. Well, anyway. But uh, hold your hand up to your lips and say the name Yahweh. Yahweh. Did you feel it? God put his breath in Abram's name. God put his covenant name in Abram's name. As you unfold this under the voice walk with God, he will come along and breathe into your destiny new breath. He'll put his name on your life. Can't promise you a burning bush. Can't promise you a three-man visitation from heaven. But I can promise you this from the scriptures. If we change our shoes and say, Lord, I've got... I know many of you have been to the beach this summer. Uh, I just read this murder novel about this guy that gets lost in the... And, they, and the only way to find his body is to find his footsteps. But imagine... Imagine your footsteps on the beach of life where your kids can look and say, what do I do? What would my father's faith point to as to where to step? What would my mom's journey say to me? That's a close encounter of the God kind. For each of us. You're in the king's family. You're in faith. His promises are true. They're according to his plan for you. Change your shoes. Walk in them. And God promises. Promises and power. And put his name on your life. Would you stand please? Heavenly Father, I pray for, uh, I thank you for your purposes that are beyond 
our understanding, our ability to articulate and share. I thank you that you know us. I pray for every, everyone here. In, I'm first in line. I'm first in line. I don't ever want to get out from under the voice. I've failed you so often. I never want to get out from under the voice. I thank you for the kindness to my household. I thank you for the kindness to, to my life. And I thank you for the kindness to our church. I thank you for the potential that's in front of us. I thank you for the promises and the, and the, and the voice that speaks. I pray for, I pray especially for these new young people. To have the grace to trust you and pursue you and believe you and not be turned to the right, not be turned to the left, but to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So that this time next year, what has been promised, something that has been promised, may come into fruition. That stars will be lit. That opportunities will create. Journeys will be told about as their grandkids talk in years to come about their father's God, their mother's God, is the God of the Bible. I trust the ministry of your word to your people far beyond what anyone can minister. Watch over your word to bring it to pass and guide everyone's feet under the voice of your purpose for them in Jesus' name. Amen?